Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Joan, and today I'm joined by Beck and Eric, who've recently reimagined units using Indigenous pedagogy. So welcome, Beck and Eric. You've both come from different perspectives, from an academic and learning design perspective. So can you both tell me a bit about yourself and your interest around the design and delivery of online units using these pedagogies? Uh, yeah, so um, I am Yoro Yoro Wemwemwi Jaja Wrong Woman, and I um, work for Nikiri, which is the Indigenous Institute at Deakin. Um, and I was employed uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> um, to come in and um, help uh, begin an Indigenous minor and then into a major stream for Deakin University. And my interest was when we moved to online was how do we transfer the ways that we teach and the ways that we do things to the online space. And that's sort of, it was a bit serendipitous when I met Eric. Hi, my name's Eric. I'm a senior educational designer and um, learning design team. I had the pleasure and still do have the pleasure of working with Beck and Nikiri. And my role is predominantly to uh, translate what's traditionally done very well in a face-to-face setting into the digital. And Beck and I often have discussions about how and how can Indigenous knowledges and studies meet the digital. So it's that very nexus that we're interested in probing because, of course, as Beck will attest to, you know, notions of country and place can often seem dislocated in the online settings. So there seems to be a lot of work around embedding Indigenous pedagogy across a number of units and rethinking um, what that actually looks like. So you've mentioned from face-to-face to online. So what are the, I suppose, what's the project about and how, how can we implement that across a broader range of units? Um, so when we first started working together, um, the conversation was around, for me, the most important Thing as an Indigenous educator was um, giving students a sense of connection and place, and that's really important. And so, um, you know, I started to think about, you know, what are the elements that are the most important in my teaching and my pedagogical approach? And they were country, um, culture and connection. They were kind of the three areas and how we did that digitally was, um, was really challenging at the beginning. Um, but we did it, ended up doing it through, um, you, you know, in some really interesting ways and using different multimedia and, um, what was great working with Eric and his team is that they were great listeners. And so they were listening to what I was trying to say and what I was trying to get across. And they were able to almost translate that into, you know, their own sort of space and area. There is Indigenous community everywhere um, connected to Deakin University and that's being a good listener and not assuming an expertise is really important in the first instant, I think. I think that's a great point, not assuming expertise. I love how you put that there. And you mentioned around the it's a big challenge or it was a big challenge to begin with. Eric, did you feel find the same way and what was the biggest challenge that you sort of had to overcome, I suppose, to do this in this space? 
Well, I think um, I think Beck's dead right there in terms of being able to listen, and I think that's what we've tried to achieve. And this is a bigger conversation I've often had with my colleague Phil, and that's surrounding this idea of challenging our own assumptions and our inherent biases. And you know, because of course, if you look at Aboriginal history and culture in Australia, it's often uh, you know a deficit discourse surrounding past traumas. And having met Beck and having well, Phil and I having played the role of interested students and doing the readings and actually immersing ourselves in the content and learning from Beck made us realise that, you know, to actually successfully understand and start to study and to partake in the conversation requires you to learn, listen, and to realise that there's a lot more going on at paying attention and thinking about how we can, you know, actually give Beck a space to tell stories and to share stories and how we can do that in a manner online was quite complicated. Mm. But I think we mentioned earlier, I was once a translator and we translated and we didn't go for traditional textual approaches, but a range of multimedia, including interviews. We've, um, right. Yeah, I think what's really important too in that, just to pick up on Eric's point about yeah. imagery and multimedia is, is that mm. we, you know, and, and this is a very reflective of Indigenous knowledges too, is that, we, um, the importance of, you know, song and dance and and art are just as important, you know, as the academic written word. And so we're asking them to, you know, watch these, listen to these songs or watch these documentaries or, or just look at the, you know, the banner art as a way of um, also reflecting and engaging in the content of the unit, so... Wow. You mentioned back before the three elements, uh, country, culture and connection. So was that a threaded theme throughout or was it those components that were picked up at the very beginning that needed to translate from face-to-face to online? Yeah. Could you I talk a bit that, more about that? I think for me that was something like that I realised that I needed, they were the main aspects and I think I did that probably after we did throw one together. Right. As I was talking a lot about place and, you know, it has to visually connect with students and because what I would do in the classroom is, you know, my pedagogy is very narrative-based as it is for a lot of Indigenous academics and I, you know, I interweave my own personal narrative with this bigger sort of content um, and I, you know, I gauge them. You can gauge them emotionally when you're in a classroom with them. How far can you push them? How far can you not? You know, are they going to be open to this story? You know, it's it's a lot easier when you're looking at a screen sometimes of, you know, mm. pictures or not even just blank screens. You're like, okay, how do I do this? Um, and so those elements of, you know, connection were based on country. Like how do we recreate country in the space? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we transmit culture that isn't just a one-sided um you know, me pouring information into you and you having to absorb it. But, you know, how do we make it reciprocal? Because Indigenous cultures are very, you know, we're about reciprocity in all things. Um, and then also, you know, how do we um, create a sense of, of community as well? And so one point that needs to be made is the onus is very much on the student to engage in the spaces yeah. Um, sometimes when you you have to go to a lecture theatre, it's, um, you know, you don't have to think about it. You kind of turn up and you sort of passive in a way and you sort of just mm. sit there. Whereas in our spaces, you have to seek out the art and you have to right. watch the interviews and listen to the stories and 
Um, and so they become in more engaged learners, you know, or they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That happens everywhere, so don't be mad. Touching on what Beck said, Eric, around um, in your in um, Beck's classrooms, face to face, there was a narrative base interweaving your own narrative, which would be extremely powerful. I could only imagine the challenges that you had converting this, I suppose, to a multimedia um, platform. What was your process, I suppose, that you went through, you and the team, to actually make sure you didn't lose any authenticity in that process and that powerful voice coming through? Well, I think it's often, you know, audience purpose form, but also medium and form is very, very important. And I think mm. initially due to COVID, we did a shoot with Beck in the studio at Burwood, which worked out really, really well, but it felt unnatural. So we were actually quite lucky because Beck actually um, held a exhibition at Beacon Gallery called uh, Grounded in Flux. And she had a um, Sovereign Freds, which was a collection of Gary, Professor Gary Foley's uh, politically inspired T-shirts over the years. And um, we were able then to actually, well, Phil and I particularly, Mm-hmm. We we studied, we had a conversation and we invited Beck to actually sit in her space that she had created that reflected yeah. so many important aspects of her mm. identity. Well, not, I'm not going to speak about identity, sorry, Beck, but your person, mm. that we then taken that role after many conversations and we'd listened to the lectures, we'd done everything. So we didn't want to replicate what was already being no. done well. But we were able to, in that space, with the political T-shirts hanging and in that space, allow Beck to kind of sit down and tell us more of her stories. And we asked questions which built on the lectures and some of it was um, really raw in terms of emotions mm. regarding stolen, stolen generations, but also uplifting at other points mm. in terms of, you know, entrepreneurship or at that point when it was still reclaiming the flag. Apart from the excellently, you know, scripted questions, thank you to <laughs> Eric, um, I do believe that... It wasn't that scripted. It, it wasn't scripted. No, <laughs> The, the, the questions that we asked, but also the mnemonics yeah. that existed yeah. within that space. Mm. And the, it's very important for us mm. to kind of reflect, not just because of um, country and place, but also if you have some students sitting on a laptop on a beach in southern Queensland, mm. we want them to have a feeling. We want them to get to know mm. Beck. We want mm. them to get to know the institution, Nikiri, and be part of the broader Deakin community. Mm-hmm going back just one thing around the relationship building and that sense of connection as well so it's not just a connection to a unit it's bigger and uh, bigger than that and that yeah. high, that's highlighted in your elements around that com- country culture and connection mm. um, but also feeling that connection through the visual narrative which is what I'm hearing in that storytelling um I I loved how you said around being unnatural, Eric, and then actually doing it again in the setting for Beck to actually communicate um, more effectively, I suppose, or more authentically. And it's something I think we can learn for all online learning to be more natural and make it in that um, natural space where you can form a sense of connection and in particular um, in the Indigenous pedagogies as well. So um, great to hear that you did it again. You iterated it essentially because it didn't work the first time. Yeah, it, um, it was important when we were asking community to be involved as well. Mm. So, for example, um, Professor Gary Foley. Yeah. And, um, you know, being able to get an interview with him is is huge for the university. It's huge yeah. for students. Um, and so the, the number one thing for me was, like, well, uh, where do you want to do this, Gary? Like, mm-hmm. where do you want to 
be. And he's like, oh, there's this great place that I like go walking along Mary Creek. Let's go there. I'm like, great. And so, you know, we literally, Eric and Phil were so open to it and, um, and we just kind of sat in, in the bush and just talked about, you know, how to yarn and that was perfect because that's exactly how, you know, if I was, if we were in a traditional sense, exactly how I would have, it would have occurred. I would have gone to him and, and asked him questions about stuff and he either would have answered them. Yeah. Um, or he wouldn't have, you know. <laughs> um, and I, we were lucky that he did. And he, yep. you know, he's very generous in sharing his knowledge and he wants to impart these things because he wants to have students connect, connect with it. Um, and it's, you know, it's true that point that you made about connection is not just with the content, it's also with us as people. Mm. Um, and that's why I use kind of a narrative-based approach and I encourage the students to share their own narrative and their own cultural experiences particularly in discussion boards yes um because we all have similarities you know when I talk about ritual we all impart and have rituals that we they may not necessarily be spiritual or religious but they're Mm -hmm. definitely rituals but in a very long way answering your question yeah even the non-Indigenous students Mm -hmm. understand through the pandemic more poignantly than ever before how much that connection with ourselves and each other is so important. Um, you know, even the young ones who have grown up with a laptop out of the womb, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's yeah. um, craving for it now, isn't it? Craving for it, yeah, definitely. So I wanted to touch on what you said earlier around the onus on students in this space. So you can do um, create all these great resources and create um, opportunities for connection and creating a narrative and students co-contributing. Mm. How, and Eric, this might be more of a design question, so jump in, around how do you, uh, what strategies do you implement or how do you do it so it improves participation for Indigenous students? I think from a more inclusive or a holistic perspective, Mm -hmm. our approach was always to kind of cater for multiple learning pathways for different learning styles as well. So to be inclusive of the more general nature and having said that, if people, you know, put COVID aside, if people are, I'm a big fan of the lecture. I loved lectures when I was an undergrad and I'd go to every single one. If they choose to go to lecture and then engage online and get the readings done and do what they need to be ready for the seminar, fantastic. But we're also aware that some people aren't into lectures and they may be time poor because of, you know, what is a Deacon student? We just don't know that it's really, you know, 15,000 online students who might have multiple jobs or family Might have multiple kids with lack of sleep. <laughs> yes, that's right. I know that feeling. But, yeah, so the idea was that then, you know, every every resource we created, mm-hmm. because it's so many rich documentaries that exist about Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, mm-hmm. our political, social affairs and histories exist, mm-hmm. we'd frame them in an introductory video with Beck mm-hmm. and that would talk about what's coming and take clips from that. So to kind of mm-hmm. get wet, wet their appetites, show them what they can expect and what they're looking forward to so that even if you don't have the time to completely go through mm-hmm. every single thing, you mm-hmm. will have met the their learning objectives and be able to contribute something hopefully mm-hmm. then in the in the face-to-face seminar. So that's a big design perspective is we want to aim for the highest in terms of interest. Yes. And we also had a section called Immerse, mm-hmm. which built on the stuff that um, was dealt with in the main course. So you could then further go in 
and spend mm. more time either doing readings, mm-hmm. uh, watching these very rich documentaries, um, or engaging in another kind of um, kind of activities. So that right. that was. I hope that answers that. Yeah. So it sounds like there were many invitations to engage in multiple ways. So then it wasn't just say you had to watch this lecture, you had to no. do this, you had to do this reading. So there were multiple ways to engage and to yeah. um, create that story for yourself as well. Going back to that comment back around the onus being on the student, which I love. So I want to um, talk about sort of the impact on the teaching and learning experience. From your perspective, Beck, it seems like you've learned a lot going from face-to-face to to online with the support of um, Eric and the team. Is there anything else that you've learned? Like what impact has it had on your teaching engaging from an online perspective versus that face-to-face? Has it been a benefit challenge? Yeah, it's a good question because when I first, um, when it first came off about the cloud first pilot, um, and I was, Jess, well, if she was here, she would have tested the else. I was like, oh, I, it's not going to work. We can't do anything in the digital space. Like, how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. No, that's not what my pedagogy is. And I was very resistant to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but meeting Eric and the team and, um, and you know, being able to, build that relationship and trust them mm-hmm. was was massive for me. It also taught me about my teaching that, um, you know, it can translate into different spaces and that, I you know, I, I got really excited about using different multimedia um, ways of disseminating. And, and it's funny because I had always probably done that within the lecture space anyway, you know, yes. we'd watched those and we'd used art but I'd done it, you know, physically myself for students and here it was being able to have it set up in a space where I didn't have to have total control was great. And it was also the going to fully online during COVID also made me reconsider, you know, um, the foundation of what I wanted to get across, as I mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, and also um, really reassess not trying not to be reactive in my teachings to any situation, COVID, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, being sort of authentic to who I am as an Aboriginal woman. And, you know, can, could I front up in community with my head held high that, you know, I educated students who potentially are going to work in my community? Yes. Um, that's sort of how I wow. keep track of things really. So That seems to be a massive transformation that's occurred due to going online and it's interesting that you say at the beginning a resistance to going online because you can't imagine um, how it's going to look or where the message is going to go and I think this is true Mm. for a lot of um, teaching and learning is that face-to-face to to online without the support of your likes of um, senior ed designers like Eric and Philip and the team they've got the vision they know how to work that space you're the expert in your area and combining that having that listening that conversation that dialogue is so critical to create that whole resource versus you trying to do it as yourself in your physical self Eric did you want to add anything to that I think so as well, and I think um, a very good friend of mine, Danny McCarthy, and I had to give her a plug. Uh, once <laughs> I'll send her this bit. <laughs> there's no, there's no original genius, and that, that there's the truth. There's a truth in that. There is truth in that, in the sense that, you know, one person can't imagine it all, but no. bringing mm. together and working together with uh, people like Phil, Jace, Leah Pitsivitz, who did the mm-hmm. kind of the visual art, also Beck to kind of, kind of 
not mediate relationships, but all come together with our own strengths and work one-on-one really, really with Beck and also Jez and other yeah. units we've done mm. really does elevate us and bringing us all together to kind of produce this kind of work, which otherwise mm. I dare say wouldn't have happened. And I, all of us coming together and um, particularly the conversations, uh, the thought process, that's what makes it. And I think mm. um, the allowance and thanks to Beck for critical not critical but for creative flair mm-hmm. the 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 risk mm. you know taking a punt you know you never know how it's going to work but um that's that's what I'd say about that I think it's just mm. been very very fantastic and without every person working towards it, it would be not mm. not nowhere as nearly as good well, it's I think it sounds really- like Beck was supported that's for sure so yeah, yeah great to hear um, I, looking, listening to you both, which is incredibly interesting, may I add, um, there was a lot of support in this, um, you know, a lot of listening conversations, again, that two-way dialogue and people listening and imagining how things can look and how things can feel. Have you got any tips if people don't have the support um, available to them, what they could do to implement anything in their online unit today. So where would they get started, I suppose? Mm. Um, so there's a lot of resources um, in our library. So like our, our library team are incredible mm. um, and there's so much available when it comes to, you know, video and um, audio from ind- Indigenous perspectives, you know, there's lots and lots available out there that is sort of public domain that you can utilise. Yeah, it's just a matter of willingness and and looking and wanting to look, you know, I think. And being authentic, I suppose, in the space that you're educating about and respectful as well, highlighting those key things that you've said. Yeah. I'll just conclude by conversations. It's about yes. having conversations, not being afraid to ask and not mm-hmm. being afraid to go, well, you know, I'm ignorant to this or I don't know about yeah. this or I'm unsure about this. Um, yeah. And then, as of course, um, yeah, we're just excited to work on the principles that we've done, looking at, you know, where the digital meets Indigenous studies. Mm-hmm. And we're really hopeful to kind of also further determinate uh, mm-hmm. Beck's great work into the um, wider community through... Mm-hmm. open educational resources so that's that's another space yeah. like with the gallery we want to get out of the single unit which is very mm. important but a great opportunity to kind of start conversations both domestically and globally absolutely and I think that's a great point is just have the conversation yeah. and just ask the question um, yeah. versus just shying away from it because sometimes that's easier to shy away versus asking the question to different people within a, any university or any educational institution um, or I any think, where you're a part of. So, yeah. Yeah, but- I think um, a lot of people are afraid of, of being told off <laughs> or getting called racist or I don't know, something, but it's like, you know what, we kind of just have to be grown-ups and go, you know what, yeah, yeah I might get slapped I'm yes. saying metaphorically, but at least I'll learn, you know, like every mistake you make or every time you get pulled up by someone, it's just a learning tool, you know. I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've probably said the wrong thing to one of my aunties or uncles or I've just got stone silence or, um, <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay, not ready for that question yet, right? Yeah. Just, um, you, it's just learning, you know. That's yeah. how we teach our kids is, you know, you ask a question. 100%. And, I totally agree with that. It's And it's, you know, we're not, we're pretty 
pretty easy to get along with. So, and it's all out. a learning thing. We if we don't start somewhere. Yeah, you get nowhere, right? So yeah, these things and having these conversations and being so generous with your resources and making those open educational resources, it's really really powerful for educators like yourself to do. And the support that Eric and the team has given you as well to translate that is so empowering for so yeah. many educators, and will give a platform for people to be able to embed this and start a conversation, and then continue to have that conversation. So I want to thank you both for your time. It's been really um, powerful, I would say, and the strategies that you've talked about and that connection and that conversation and that listening and there's so many layers to this, but I'm so glad that you've been able to get to the place that you have where the digital meets the Indigenous studies. So um, well done and um, thank you for your time. Thanks very much, Joe.